Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has she been inspired by a calling, crafted her journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Dar Dowling, who is a filmmaker, best-selling author, artist, CMO of Raver Magazine, Firestarter. Welcome to the show, Dar. Thanks, Rhonda, for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited. Yes, it's wonderful to see you, my friend. Can you let the audience know a little bit about your background and where you're living right now? I was born and raised in Staten Island, New York. I'm second generation Irish. My grandmother came over and settled in Staten Island. And then when I was in my early 20s, I ran away to Manhattan. So where I still live. And so you're still, yeah, so you're still in Manhattan. You are quite an artist. Do you want to talk? Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about your art? Because you do more than one thing, do you not? Yeah, I'm a visual artist and a writer. So, you know, I write books and I, but I also make movies and I also create line drawings, really big black and white ink on paper drawings. They're usually, uh, some are smaller, but sometimes they're like three feet by five feet. And they can take me up to like a year to create, depending on what my mood is like, I guess. Well, you have, sometimes we have to wait for inspiration, right? Well, yeah, and they're tiny lines. So my thing is, I, I guess, I use the human body to hold the, um, the art in place. But uh, the inside is, I guess, my version of um, controlled chaos. And it could remind some people of some tribal drawings or uh, indigenous things. Or it can also be, I kind of am very into Qigong and Chinese medicine. And so in a lot of ways, it reminds me of like the energy flow within the human body. So. Mm. And are those drawings, are they usually black and white? Or they're black and white. Yeah, black and white. But every once in a while, I'll throw some color in. It's rare, but every once in a while, there'll be some red or something. Mm -hmm. Because I was in a mood. (laughs) Because you're in a mood. And so do you do anything with chakras? Or is it? No, they're just you. I don't even know sometimes what I'm make, like what's happening inside the figures until until I step away and then I'll be like, Oh, that's an interesting pattern that I made. Or I've been getting ready for, to do some art shows in 2024. So I've been going to the printer a lot going through some old stuff. And uh, the one I took to the printer yesterday was very different than the other ones I've worked on or my newer ones. And I was like, Oh, I really like that one pattern. I should try to integrate it again into other things, but I was surprised. So 
I surprised myself going through my own artwork, I guess. Yeah, well, it's inspiring. Because art is to me is evolutionary. As you grow, your art grows. Yeah, and I used to think I needed to have a muse to to create things. And this year, I realized I don't. And it was a very emotionally evocative summer for me. One of my favorite people died, my aunt died, and then my cat died all within like 90 days of each other. And I felt like in that moment, like my grief became my muse. It became my inspiration for, so because I do so many things, sometimes my actual like uh, ink on paper art might wait, right? It's been very healing for me during this last bunch of months. So, and feeling there's a lot of empty space now inside me. And I feel like those, the tiny lines in my artwork and the patterns I'm creating are like filling those spaces. And I'm sure the universe is going to fill those spaces with other things too. So, but we'll see. We'll see. More will be revealed. Yes. Well, and those types of things that happen in people's lives serve our art sometimes. Yes, I think so. My, I'm really enjoying the new drawing I'm doing. I think it's, uh, it's coming. It's pretty beautiful. So yeah. for me, anyway. So uh-huh. um, it is. <laughs> and I'm pouring all my feelings into it. So it's a good experience out of a a sad time for me. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so do you make prints of these once they're completed? I have in the past, I've been holding on to my art for quite some time. And only recently, a friend of mine wants to help me, uh, a very good dear friend of mine wants to help me get my art out into the world more. And he asked me if I was ready. And so it's last weekend, I was yes. in Canada. And he I was like, all right, I'm going to mull that over while I'm away in Uh the the woods of Canada, which is not really the woods of Canada, but I'm a city girl. So to me, Oshawa is where I was in uh, northern, in Ontario. And eastern Eastern Ontario, right? So I mulled it over and I came back and I did a meditation. And in the meditation, I was like, I want to be seen. And it's probably the first time in my life that and part of seeing me means seeing this aspect of my art, my drawing. So that's a yes then. <laughs> yes. And you know, there I have read in different places, and I know of people who it takes a lot of confidence to share a part of you that's dear to you, your artwork, with the world. And some people never do. They keep it hidden away and locked away. And as a new writer, when I wrote my book, I had very big reservations about publishing that book with my name on it because of uh, everybody. I have a pretty big following and people would know then about me and I'm a very private person. And the fact that people were going to know about my background and my stories and my evolution to where I had my near-death experience and how that changed me and my perspective of my life made me really nervous. And you know, people just opened their arms to me and they loved it. And uh, they just were fascinated that I had a near-death experience and then I wrote about it and shared it. And so once you do it once, it's a little bit easier to do it the second time right yep it's true yeah. very true but you and by the are... way i love your book 
I love your book, by the way. I was Thanks. rereading it um, during the week and uh, it's pretty awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But you as well, you are a an author of books and you are a best-selling author. Yes, yes. I was lucky enough to that people enjoyed my books when I put them out. I have two books. One is called The Book of Darku, which incorporates a little bit of my art with my photographs. And then during COVID, I couldn't finish some films I was working on. So I took a lot of photos. And then I also wrote these haikus that aren't really haikus, which is why they're called darkus. They're like tiny poems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So so what yeah, was your inspiration for that book? I'm not really sure. Uh-huh. I think it was the boredom of COVID, maybe. <laughs> it's hard yes. to say. <laughs> and, and also it was like the cover of the book is a piece of my artwork too. So I think it was the beginnings of me wanting that aspect of myself to be seen. And, you know, I had a lot of internal emotional stuff going on. And when I was young, I used to write a lot of poems. And I think I, re you know, returned to that aspect of my art during that time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's about it. And then I worked with a, gr a great designer. And I'm like, you know, if, what do you think we can do? And we came up with some very cool images for the interior of the book. It's a short book. But um, I think there's another one I'm going to try to push out by the end of the year. Um, well, with more haikus, more photos, different art, um, and see how that goes. Well, that's awesome that you're able to incorporate your writing, your poems, and your art, because a lot of people have to have illustrators, you know, do that for them. And so you're a multi-talented artist. But, you know, you talked about the pandemic or COVID, and a lot of artists were born during that time. It's true. It's <laughs> because true. <laughs> when we have to go home and we're not out in the world, we're only going out to do the necessary things like groceries. Uh, we spend a lot of time with ourselves. And in spending time with ourselves, this is when this starts bubbling up. And then all of a sudden you have you know, you have a book and you're, you published a book, but you have a second one. Talk to us about the second book that you have. So it's a ch children's book, a chapter book. I wrote it. It's called Kayla and the Magic Dog. Yes. And I wrote it about 10 years ago, maybe more. My niece used to call me Aunt Hare when she was very young. And I decided, for, and I used to go I adore my niece and my nephew. So I used to, yeah. every week I would go to Staten Island where they are and, you know, go to different events. And they would also have like a, a, a night, a mommy and kids night at McDonald's. So we would all yeah. go and they, I would meet their friends and I would play with them and, and get to know their friends and their friends' moms and my sister's friends. So I always enjoyed that. And I think something about that time was a catalyst for me to want to write a story and incorporate pieces of my, that experience, I guess, into that. So they wrote it and then I put it aside and about earlier this year, I have a friend who's a, I decided I wanted to try to publish it because I, then I realized I had some stories that I had put away and not looked at again. So mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I have a friend who's a school teacher and I was like, can you look at my story and see what you think? And she's like, 
it's a beautiful story. And she really was a like the first believer in that story. And it meant a lot to me because she's a oh, very yes. picky person. And she wouldn't say anything she didn't mean. So then she's like, but you need to edit it. Because <laughs> sometimes I have a loose relationship with grammar um, and structure. So she said she would help me. And so it began a process of her helping me to get that into shape. And uh, uh, at one point, she's like, you don't have a hard ending, you need an ending. And I'm, I had to go back three times with an actual ending. And then finally, I got it. She's like, all right, finally. But apparently, I didn't want the story to end. But yes. I've had people tell me now that it could be a series. And so I'm thinking about the next book. But also, I released it um, four days. My friend's sister, Judy Bellisano, died like four days before my birthday. Mm. And on June 9th and on June 13th, I was my birthday and I released my book. And there's a shout out to her and my Aunt Joan in the beginning of the book because they were two very inspirational people for me. Because my aunt, and when she was 89 or 87, wrote her first book and... We got illustrations and she released it and became a best-selling author too. So I feel like I'm following in her footsteps a bit. And mm -hmm. Sister Judy was a best-selling author and a, a, a very powerful person in the world who, um, she was a Dominican nun yes. who did ayahuasca in the, in the rainforest and yes. found God <laughs> and wrote some books and there's a movie and she was uh, the sister of my heart. So so I feel like on that day, like I, there was a lot going on and I actually became a best-selling author that right after that. So I feel like they, you know, all that love I got really helped me through that period. Oh, yes. And surrounding your, yourself with people who really appreciate your work and appreciate you and where you're going. And often I say, we really sometimes don't recognize our messengers until we look back and see how they guided us in our path. And Sister Judy, she was very beneficial to you as an artist, I thought. Now, did she talk to you at all about any visions or anything that she experienced during one of her ayahuasca encounters, like trips? Mm, she did. She, uh, I can't re really recount it, whatever. It was more like, her seeing her entire, how she had been before that experience and how yes. she wanted to be going forward. So in that first, she, I mean, she literally did ayahuasca in the rainforest with uh, shamans, right? So it was yes. very, and she also had, was on a crutch because she had hurt herself. So she's like, it's late seventies going, you know, going deep into the rainforest and mm -hmm. had this experience and it changed her and she did subsequent ayahuasca trips but I think that one was the most you know it changed her life and um she used to tell me I should go and do it and I'm like no thank you psychedelics scare me <laughs> so she thought she thought I was a baby but um yeah. I was like no I don't think so but uh I always respected that she did that and her movie and her book are amazing so if anybody's out there uh it's called Sister Jaguar's Journey and Actually, before she died, she released a kid's book, too. And so, you know, I was surrounded. And my I have to say my aunt was probably, I used to talk to her all the time about my, when I was getting the kid's book ready. And mm -hmm. she was a great inspiration, but also really a great support for me through that process. Yes. And, you know, 
I, she's like a second mother to me. I adored my mother and she died about 20 years ago. And my aunt Joan really, she was like a second mother to me. So yeah, I'm sorry to get so emotional. Jeez. Oh um, no, I love it. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, she was probably one of the most generous, amazing, kind hearted people I've ever met. And she mm-hmm. did a lot of work with veterans. We're coming up on oh, uh, yes. Veterans Day. And yeah. she did a lot of work to help them and support them and raise money for them. And, uh, and they were super appreciated. Uh, one time, there's a motorcycle, veterans motorcycle organization called Rolling Thunder, and they brought all their motorcycles to her house. Oh. And uh, yeah, they rolled up to, to honor yeah. her, and it was amazing. There were so many, and it was such a beautiful, beautiful um, experience. And uh, I got it on video, so I, sometimes I like to watch it because she looks so happy. They look so happy. There's so much mutual respect between them. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of love in my life and I'm really blessed, like with those two women, really, they were in my life as long as they were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I still feel them around. So, you know, there's that. Yes. Well, and, uh, if she did the journeys that she did with uh, plant medicine, uh, she's in touch at a higher level. That's what my understanding, I've never done it. And I would never do it. I'm a baby when it comes to stuff like that. (laughs) I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even go into a (laughs) rainforest, you know, (laughs) it's pretty hot in the rainforest. They were like, you can go to the rainforest and not do it. And I'm like, it's, I don't like the heat. So I'm like, it's, it's really hot. in the rain. I mean, I'm not saying I'm never going to go, but like, it was not like on my top of my list. I'd rather go into the depths of Alaska then goes to the rainforest. Well, I'd have heat stroke and exhaustion stroke. People would have to carry me. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be a a lot of work. They'd be like, oh my God. I would be too much work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'd have to have the comfort of life. So so they'd have to bring that with them. And (laughs) I can't afford it. (laughs) No, it's true. I can't it's afford the experience. I can't afford the experience. Talking about experiences uh, like that, have you ever been to a place where there's an energy vortex, like let's say Sedona, or there's some in Virginia? Have you ever uh, went there I, to improve your art and get in touch that way? I have not. I I think next year I'm going to go to Sedona because uh-huh. a, a good, good friend of mine goes there all the time and. Another good friend had told me a while ago, she's like, you really need to go there and mm-hmm. experience that for yourself. Lately, I've been, I've always been um, very into, when I was nine, uh, this boy held me and this girl beat me up and they threw me down the hill. And oh, my father no. took me to, uh, my father was like, oh no. So he took, there was a, a karate school that had just opened and my father took me to, um, took me there to start training. I was, and I cried and he took me home and he called the guy and he said, and the guy was just my, who became my sensei said, uh, no, why you take her home? Just leave her. And so I spent the, uh, the less, the next, um, bunch of, up until my early twenties in that karate school learning, yes. but it really resonated with me, the whole karate, martial arts, but then as I got older, it turned into yoga too, but also Tai Chi. I studied with a woman called Maggie Newman for 10 years, who is a Tai Chi master. And that 
that had really opened me up and helped me with my art too. And more recently, uh, I've been doing a lot of Qigong with a, mm-hmm. a je- studying with um, Robert Pang. So I feel like those things really enhance my art, whether it's line drawings or my writing or, or my films. Yes. And what does it help you get confidence? Uh, karate would have been confidence, building your confidence, right? It, it was confidence, managing anxiety. Also, yes. you know, there's a, a lot going on in my world at that time. So it gave mm-hmm. me a sense of stability. Right. Um, it taught me about discipline. I learned uh-huh. uh, I learned a lot of a lot of things. So mm-hmm. it, and then yeah, it's very enriching. And then you and when you're studying with Robert Pang with um, Qigong, uh, is that at a higher level? Is it a different type? I don't really know that art. Um, Qigong can be there's a martial arts aspect, but there's a healing okay. aspect, and he teaches okay. the healing aspect. Mm-hmm. So I like. Like 15 years ago, I used to go to workshops of his in person. And then I started doing Chai Chi. So that fell off. And then this last year, I needed to get myself right, I guess, spiritually. So I looked him up and I found out he had a lot of things online, like videos and stuff. And so I started doing those and it it helped me. And then I decided to, then he also teaches Zoom, like classes, I joke, it's probably the only thing I like to do on Zoom are his classes. And now your podcast, but in general, yes. like, uh, <laughs> it's not my favorite. Um, yes. So, but it's really, I forgot what the question was. What was the question? Rhonda? Well, I was just wondering, does it open up, you're talking about it, it's emotional and more spiritual, but does it open up because I know for for me, when I'm writing, and it doesn't matter if I'm writing a chapter in a book or a poem or just short things that I, you know, put on my social media, is that my brain needs to be in a special place. And the world takes that away from me because, you know, we need to make a living. And I get caught up in the day-to-day work that I do. And I love it when the weekend comes because I try and push that aside and and just allow my brain to drop into where it needs to be in order for me to create. The older I get, uh, the more confidence I have that that's what I need is my brain needs to be free of the day-to-day things that I usually do in order for me to get in touch with the true essence of who I am that I want to share with the world, which is my art. And so I just wondered, because I haven't taken any classes, I haven't went to Sedona, uh, to the energy vortex, but I did fly fixed wing over the Grand Canyon when I was around 34. And I had a mystical experience. I wasn't an artist at the time. I didn't know. I knew I was an artist, but I had not developed anything other than uh, playing guitar and singing. And so I'm flying fixed wing over the Grand Canyon. I'm looking down and I see all of the lines of evolution that has gotten us to this place for me looking down on it. And I had all this information come into my brain. People call it a download. I don't really like to refer it as that. It was just that my brain was in tune with that. And I was so mystified and I just couldn't wait to write it down. But did I have a pen and paper? No, I didn't have anything with me. I just had 
a, probably just a wallet or something. And by the time I got back to the hotel, it was wiped away. So I do believe and I do know that I am open to that type of energy because that is part of an energy vortex, uh, the Grand Canyon. Uh, so I'm excited and looking forward to going to uh, Sedona because I really feel that that is going to really open up and allow me to uh, express myself at a level that I haven't yet. And so I wondered if the teachings that you were having is helping you bring more of what you came here to do to re to your reality, like your art. Yes. Uh, yes, I would say definitely. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like it helps me get more in tuned and bypass. Like my brain is very active. I'm, I'm a Gemini. Um, yes, I know. You're, yes, I saw that. I'm yes. a Gemini with Aquarius rising and a Scorpio moon. So I have a friend who's a astrologer and she's like, and she does yoga and she's like, well, don't worry. A lot of the swamis have very complicated charts too. I'm like, that doesn't really make me feel better, really, no. but um, not at all. But it just means I'm pretty complicated. And my mind is very busy. So it yes. does help me to get past the stuff that's going on in my brain and tap into my higher self. So yes. I don't know if, if that's, that's your soul or yeah. my that energy, whatever that is. So it helps me get to that place and to maintain that place and to see, you know, more like the things that used to really bother me or upset me, upset me a lot less or not at all now. And also when I do get upset, I can see what, like, you know, every people are annoying life and, you know, there's stuff yeah. that happens, right? Work stuff gets you crazy, happens. like, yeah. you know, and so <laughs> I'll be like, you know, I'll be so like annoyed about something but then i'll be like well really is it really that important then what's really going on here does it have is it really this right so it, it helps me sort through that and then get to that place where there i have clarity and calmness and maybe find the joy in the day i'm right now i'm doing a 14 week everyday qigong practice for uh physical spiritual and emotional transformation and every yes. week is a different, like every Saturday is the main workshop and then it's like an hour. And then every day it's like another half hour of like practice and mm -hmm. meditation. And you learn different breathing techniques and things that I hadn't learned before. And I, I like it. And every week is about a different thing. Like um, my cat died in mid-September and I started the workshop the week after. And the first uh -huh. exercise was ab about turning grief into kindness. Ah. And, and I really needed that. So I just thought it was very fortuitous or lucky or universal flow that for me that that's how it started. And, you yes. know, every week is a different thing. So it's a different, you know, in uh, Qigong, like, and in Chinese medicine, you know, each organ has its like characteristics or energies. So every week we do a different one. And so I don't know, I feel like I'm on a, and it ends on New Year's Eve, which I think is cool. So it's like yes. it starts the new year and I do feel the changes inside myself and I'm getting more clarity about things and I'm more of a sense of joy about things and being able to let things go a little bit easier than I did before. And anytime I do these kind of things, I feel like that's, you know, it pushes me in a better direction. And then that manifests in my art, you know, right now I'm editing a movie too. And so yes. it's helping with that. So it's all, 
you know, it's all part of the whole package, I guess. Yes, of course. Well, that's beautiful. I love that. And I love to learn about different things that we can do to help artists, to help us, anybody, land in the true essence of who they are, why they came here is and the more in touch we get with ourselves, I find the older we get, the more in touch we become with ourselves. And the more we surrender to things that we have no control over helps us to help others. Right. And that's what I love. That's what I love. And you've talked a couple of times, you've said a couple of times, one of my favorite words is kindness. And we have no idea how our kindness can affect a person and then affect their lives and the people in their lives and how far reaching kindness can really be. And I think that the more we become in tune with the true essence of ourselves, the more kindness we have towards others, because when we become gentle with ourselves and we allow ourselves to be who we really are, it allows us then to allow others and not struggle against other people and their journeys, because that's just their journey. And really their journey has none of our is none of our business, right? No, and if it's true. we're kind and if we're kind to others, I think that uh you know it it it's changing the world, really. I think that's what it is. Um and it definitely ripples out, right? So it rip it does, it ripples out. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant show, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Cymatrex. And today I am speaking with a friend of mine, Dar Dowing. Can you let the audience know where they could reach out to you if they were interested in your art? Do you have a website right now? Uh, I have a website. It's called Dharma Productions, D-A-R-M-A, and then productions.com. And the reason it's called that is because I was on the training with a friend of mine who had a uh, dental surgery and he was high from the anesthesia. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and I grabbed him by his scarf and I pulled him over because he started going to try to just Tip talk over. to people. <laughs> and um, and then he goes, Dharma, stop. And so I was like, so then I decided I should name my production com- company Dharma. So nice because uh, I thought it was cute. Yes, it was very it's very sweet. And so with your production company, what are you doing right now with that? So. We're finishing up a movie called Henene, and it's about a transgender man who, after he converted from female to male, decided he wanted to convert to conservative Judaism. So uh-huh. I followed him for a year during that process, and it was a very, very compelling, interesting process because, you know, they had to think a lot about his gender and what, you know, Judaism is very gender specific and they had to figure out what they would do in terms of, you know, the rituals that are involved. And so it was a very interesting process. I followed him for like a year doing that. Yes. Um, and now it's four years later and we're finishing up documentaries sometimes take a while to finish. So. Oh, they take a long time. Yes. But I also did another short about him called Double Take. Um, so it was about his take on male privilege because, you know, he had lived as a Moshe had lived as a woman and lived as a man and he had yes. worked in construction most of his life. 
So he had some very interesting things to say about that. So that movie went to the Montreal Film Festival earlier in the year. And we had a billboard in Times Square. So that was pretty cool. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So you can find out more about my books on that website, too. I try to have like a central hub. My artwork, I have a website, but I'm rebooting it. So more to yeah. come on that. More to come. And you're also have a new documentary in mind or have you began your new one? There was one I started before COVID. It's about human trafficking uh-huh. and it, uh, but we'll see where that goes. I want to finish this first and then yes, we'll have to re- resume that probably next year too. So we'll see ta- how that goes. Yeah. Your talents are So great. I am so glad that you are joining me today. We're discussing your art. And so the audience is getting to know about you. And I hope that you get more followers from this as well. So two questions I always ask my guests. Do you feel that you've been called to your journey, crafted it or a bit of both? I kind of feel like I was born this way. (laughs) Because when I was a kid, I was always drawing or writing. And I don't think I know any other way to be in the world. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's a calling. But then I've had to, I don't know if I've crafted it so much as just followed what that part of myself wants to do next. Yes, yes. If that makes sense. Well, yes. And that's uh, when I look back over my life, and I see how my life has went, all of it seems to have been scripted. And when I got in the way is when things didn't go so good for me, well for me. Um, So when I had other ideas about my life, I kept on having accidents to bring me back to bring me back and to get in touch more in touch more in touch. And so, but I mean, it's uh, all of our journeys are not easy. I think that's why they yeah. call it life. <laughs> you know? Yes, life uh, is not easy and the journey isn't easy. And No, but the thing is, is when we get to a certain point, we start to figure it out. And we start when we start to look back on our past, we start to realize that some of this was really scripted for us. And this is why we've come here. Yeah, when I look back, I don't have any regrets because any turns and anything that's happened is really actually pushed me in the direction I needed to go, you know? so Exactly. Yeah, I was shoved. <laughs> I was shoved often. Sometimes yeah, I with was... a, foot, a universal foot on my yeah. foot. But yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so for audience members who are listening right now, if you are having some really weird things going on in your life, you might want to take heed of where, if what message is behind that, because sometimes it's not until you're out of that, that you really, you look back and you realize. So it's really good to take a look back on your life. What extraordinary experiences have you had in your life or what extraordinary experience did you, have you had in your life? What do you mean by extraordinary exactly? Well, do you remember something that was so extraordinary that it has stayed with you for many years? For instance, when I had my T-bone, I was hit at 90 kilometers an hour, as you know, or six or 55 miles an hour and did not have a scratch on me. And I was released from the hospital within hours of going in there. And that's when I 
that brain, the area my brain was in at the time was that creative process. And I started to write about my past. So for me, that was the most extraordinary thing that happened in my life because it set my course. And when I wrote that book and about my life, my life opened up to me. Opportunities opened up that never would have opened up to me. So to me, that was an extraordinary discovery that I made in my life. It happened to me, but it was still, I, I discovered myself in the recovery from that. When I was in my early 20s, I had my own a battle with addiction mm -hmm. and had to surrender at certain points to get help. And I think that that probably for me was an extraordinary event because I don't think I would have, if I hadn't gone through that and then come out the other side and I'm not sure I would have been alive, let alone like mm -hmm. been able to do the things that I've been able to do. So yeah. I guess that's it, I would say. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes. And then so, and then I have a lot of love in my life. So I think that every time I can accept that into my heart, you know, because sometimes it's hard to, to remember that people love you and, mm -hmm. that, and that when I accept that into my life, that that's a, a, a tiny, extraordinary moment for me because I don't think that I've always been able to do that. And then when I can do that, then it, it also helps with my, creative uh, process. Yes, it helps with your creative process. Well, that's wonderful. It's a great teaching too, brothers. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today and uh, with the audience. I've really enjoyed it. I enjoy all aspects of your art. I just think it's fascinating. So I oh, thank, thank you so you, much for spending time with uh, me today and uh, and uh, I just wanted to say I'm really grateful to be on your show it's my first podcast and uh, I feel really blessed for, by the whole experience so thank you so much for having me on the show it's, it's uh, been awesome thank you it's been my pleasure theme song for the Rhonda Grant show is Sun on the Water composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler this is Rhonda Grant with The Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to The Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.